hello everyone. Welcome to the King Quick Kick About. Uh, we've got two rounds of EFL fixtures to talk about. And uh, yeah, uh, good Friday and Easter Monday and uh, a lot of action. So where on the pyramid do you want to begin, Al? Um, I think we should begin with uh, the championship leaders, Norwich City, at the top of the pyramid. Um, and absolutely, well, a performance for the ages. Uh, for them against Huddersfield in midweek uh, on Tuesday night, 7-0. Uh, could have been 10-11 and that's not in the, you know, cliche way of uh, just, you know, saying that. Um, I think we should enjoy Emmy Buendia uh, for these remaining few weeks that we have him, <laughs> as it were. Um, truly sensational performance. Um, unbelievable link-up play with Aarons and Skip, but also, you know, with his uh, passes forward, as well, amazing finish for the third goal, the ball into Pookie for a second. Um, he's certainly one of the best players I've ever seen in the division. And when you've got uh, players like Todd Campwell, Timu Pookie, and well, all of them, to be honest, to support him. Um, games when you're in such an emphatic flow, uh, you know, it happen every now and again. And uh, I think it will make it even more, even more maddening how they only drew with Preston at the weekend. Obviously, if uh, Preston's only shot deflected goal. Uh, but the promotion party is uh, definitely on now. Well, yeah, I think with a win like that, I think, you know, Huddersfield's defenders backing off, just playing a very uh, ineffectual game against the team mm. who thrive on time and space. And, uh, yeah. yeah, I guess it's just everything. The... Sorry, carry on. Yeah, yeah, on, just on Huddersfield, um, they're only on 43 points. And... We'll obviously discuss later the um, amazing form of the, uh, well, some very impressive Easter Monday results from uh, sides in, the, in that relegation race. But it is absolutely pivotal uh, that Huddersfield don't lose to Rotherham this weekend. Um, because if they do, they obviously get sucked into that and, you know, looking over their shoulder. Because, you know, if they can't win those kind of games, what games can they win until the end of the season? And, you know, much like uh, last season and, you know, quite a few other seasons in the Championship, 43 points is definitely not enough uh, to keep you safe. Yeah. Well, it's interesting. We'll come on to a Huddersfield in the bottom. But just a quick question about Norwich. Do you mm. think they'll fare better in the Premier League next season? Yeah, I absolutely do. Yeah, they're the, um, for one reason only, and that's a much more ruthless defensively this season. Um, obviously, that mad run they went on when they got promoted in eighteen nineteen kind of stretched from November until March. And in that run, um, there was a lot of 2-1s, 3-2s, 4-2s. You know, it was, we'll score one more than you um, against their opposition. But now they've got such a their defensive foundation is much more solid this season. They've kept more clean sheets. Tim Krul's in been, has been in exceptional form. He's really come of age and, you know, back back to his best. Um, I prefer the... I, I think Hanley and Gibson are a more reliable defensive pairing than Goff, um, which is what they had, uh, obviously, in uh, the Championship in eighteen nineteen, Obviously, with Ben Gibson's injury until the end of the season, um, they haven't even plumped uh, for Zimmerman to uh, partner Grant Hanley, but they've brought in uh, Onomad Bidele, I think is how you pronounce it. Anyway, a youngster yeah. from America to me who um, looks very comfortable. Um, and so, yeah, I think with that foundation there um, and maybe with another reinforcement in defensive midfield. I mean, it'll be interesting to see if they uh, go in again for Ollie Skip 
Um, I'm sure Tottenham will be more than happy to let him go on loan to Norwich if they can guarantee regularly a game time in the Premier League next season. But you might want someone with a bit more experience and a bit more defensive metal uh, to give you a platform for the more creative central midfielders in the side, such as Mario Vancic and Kenny McLean. Um, so I think that will be the key addition for Norwich. Um, but, I mean, the sides, obviously there are two other sides who are going to go up and neither of the other two sides look anywhere near as good as Norwich or, for that matter, anywhere near as well prepared for the Premier League, um, given their relatively poor level. And so that's two teams who are going to get relegated next season. So Norwich only have to be better than one of a side in the Premier League. And when you look at the dross that's there this season... Um, I, I don't think that's going to be too difficult a task, to be honest. With the pandemic uh, on it on its way out, uh, do you think uh, you know Norwich might be picked apart a bit with the signings with Wendy and will, will Wendy and Pookie still be there? Timo Pookie definitely will be. Um, I, I I can't see that changing. Um, but it's difficult, right? Because we don't know Norwich's internal finances that well. And we don't know how much they need 35, 40 million for Buendia. Now, logically, they, the money they'd receive for that in Emi Buendia would pale in significance to A, his value for them in the Premier League, and B, the money they'll get for getting promoted, which, I mean, famously now, Aki, is, you know, like 90, 100 million. Um, in recent yeah. years, you know, the Championship playoff final has been labelled that, you know, the 100 million pound game. Um, and so... As as I say, if if I were in, you know, if I was Stuart Rabber, I w- it would have to take a pretty extraordinary bid for me to let Emmy Bundia go. In all honesty, mm. but where do you do you think that bid can come, and where do you think it will come from? Th- that's a really good point, Aki, and it, it, it's difficult to see the landing spot for him. Um, whether it would be a Premier League club who go in from maybe a club in the league or in Spain. Um, I mean, to be honest, he is just perfect for Simeone's Atleti. It is, it's, it's, it's really made in heaven. But then you look at that and you think of, you know, possible Premier League clubs and your know, Arsenal have been the ones who've been titled with him the most. I mean, do they want to, you know, shove out 40 million for him this season? Um, it, it, it's very, very difficult because... Is, is, a, is a kind of it's an argument that is cliche and it's an argument with a lot of fallacies but at the same time 40-50 million is a lot of money to part with for a player who was um, whose impact was limited in his time in the Premier League um, now obviously there are all sorts of uh, as I said fallacies with that, but at the same time uh, it's, it's a pressing concern um, what I would say I hope doesn't happen is that he leaves to uh, Man City or Liverpool or another elite side who won't play him. Um, yeah, where as I say, wherever he goes, I'd like to see him. You know, be a play. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, that, that's interesting, and uh, you know, I think his future may indeed lie away from the from the UK and uh, one of the Spanish teams. I think. Yeah, they'll be in for him. Oh, also, just, just friends, a, another mention. I mean, dear. I hope Lionel Scaloni is watching this because he should be starting for Argentina in the Copa America. In the um, obviously, the Copa America is still due to go ahead. Um, it might get changed to only in Colombia or only in Argentina. Um, but at the same time, like he is, yeah, definitely because he's a system player. 
um, which, you know, has obviously been an issue that has befallen all sorts of previous Argentina sides um, and, you know, has obviously can put the defensive work in. So I think even, if, you know, Scaloni has preferred a 4-4-2, at least a nominal 4-4-2 in his time as Argentina manager. So if you have Buendia on one wing and Lucas Campos on the other, uh, that provides a really solid foundation for whatever front two he wants to go with if, you know, Lionel Messi um, does end up playing for Argentina this summer. And whoever partners him up front, whether that's Icardi, Lautaro, Martinez, uh, whoever. Uh, so, yeah, as I say, um, Argentina, I, I, he definitely should be in the next Argentina squad and uh, I, I won't be particularly happy if he isn't. OK, yeah, so uh, mm, uh, a, lot, a lot of responsibility on Buendia's shoulders, didn't it? He controls all the futures. Uh, moving on, uh, I want a quick word on uh, uh, Brentford's yeah. 1-1 draw with uh, Huddersfield. Yeah. Uh, what implications would that have on the race for the top two? Would you say it's effectively over? Yeah, I, I would say, yeah, the top two race is over now. There's not enough time. Um, also, the 0-0 draw with Birmingham. Yes. So we'll yeah, um, there's not enough t- a there's not enough time for Brentford to catch up with Watford now to be honest and b even if there were um they're going they're diverging you know they're going in opposite ways regarding form um Watford are now finally playing at the level that their squad is capable of something that has frustrated us uh, the entire season but it's now you know cooking on gas um and I mean with obviously excuse me I believe Watford and Norwich are still to play each other this season um at uh Carrow Road. Um so that may change things, but uh if either that's incorrect, um then I would be surprised if Norwich or Watford lost another game this season. Um as for Brentford it's now four draws in a row. Two of those have been from winning positions, granted. Yeah. Um this one against Huddersfield they only went behind because of an absolutely just what a bollock from David Raya and uh Dalsgaard. Um, it happens, but at the same time, it will be very frustrating for Thomas Frank. I think you mentioned the one all against Huddersfield, but I think that was still a positive performance. They shot themselves in the foot going one nil down. They dominated the second half. Should I don't know how they didn't win. Ivan Tony missed a few decent chances. They had a few set pieces which weren't close. Um, so, you know, that could be uh, written off as bad luck again. But the Birmingham draw is more alarming to me um, because they were very limited creatively. Many Brentford fans are now think now believe they've gone stale and that their four two three one slash four three three is is predictable as are their lineups that they continue playing. Um, some are hoping for a change maybe to a four four two with uh, Tony and Force playing together up front or just Tony and Boimo as a front two. Um, and Birmingham found it pretty easy to deal with Brentford. On okay. Um, now, obviously, some of that is due to you know, as we know, Bo is a very effective defensive coach. Uh, initially, the club he's a very you know he's a very successful impact manager. Um, but at the same time, I think, however, it's fed into the side in one form or another. Brentford need new ways to score goals. Whether that comes courtesy of new personnel, a new formation. So, do you think if because they, they're guaranteed the playoffs, do you think if they keep going on as they are, they'll struggle in the playoffs too? Like they'll be found out by. Well, to be honest, on current trajectory, even a playoff spot isn't guaranteed. Um, really? Well, it's uh, no, okay. it's very likely, but it's not guaranteed. Um, obviously, Swansea with even well, 
That's one win in the last five. Yeah, yeah. Course. I mean, obviously, Swansea have even more alarming issues than men. We'll get on to that. Yeah, they have exactly the same form, but instead of four draws, it's four defeats. Um, but, um, yeah, it's... I would be very... Because we know Brentford have that... Excuse me. They've got it in them, a tactical plan for one-off games. They've got a very astute manager in Frank, and, you know, they know that they plan for every detail. Um but two things on that. Their playoff record is piss poor, as we know. Um, they're kind of a cursed club in them. And secondly, the teams they could potentially face in the playoffs, Barnsley most notably, and also Reading, are two sides that Brentford have really struggled against, even when Brentford were in really good form. Um, obviously, Barnsley were the side who you know, brought Brentford's electric run in, I believe it was February, uh, to an end um, with a 3-1 win. Uh, at uh, the new Brentford Stadium. Uh, and so I would be worried about that for Brentford, and especially when Barnsley have a side who, you know, on, who are on the better trajectory, yes, but also, you know, have that have those same capabilities of Brentford in terms of intensity and, you know, astute managers who, you know, plan every detail uh, for a game plan. Um, and just a, a, a final thing on that, if we're kind of, you know, taking a long-term preview to the playoffs, the playoff preparation will also be the first time this season where teams have had a week and a bit to prepare for a game. It's, it's just been yeah. Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday for four months, essentially. And so yeah. obviously the main priority during that time has been recovery um, and perhaps theoretical tactical work rather than practical stuff and when you know the time comes that you know that they'll, they'll be able to implement you know more specific tactical plans they'll be able to practice it in training have that you know intense focus that is going to play into the hands of Barnsley especially Brentford too um but maybe yeah as I say with that uh dwindling in confidence until then uh that might be an issue yeah so uh Cause for concern for Brentford. What was a what was going to be a pretty convincing season? Yeah. Has a, to be honest, kind of descended into. A, well, I'm not going to say disappointment, but well. Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, well, to be honest, Saki, I mean, I I think you know a win would do a lot for them. Um, however, that win comes, um, you know, increased optimism going into the playoffs, but also just to kind of banish their demons and you know to remember that they can still win a game. Well, they're away at Preston on tomorrow, yeah. which is uh, not an easy place to go. As well, much, so. yeah, but Norwich, you know, blow quite a few chances. Another ridiculous goal from Emmanuel Deer in that game, by the way. Um, and yeah, Pre- uh, Preston scored with their only shot on target in the 95th minute and it was deflected. So <laughs> a lot of caveats to that. And I mean, well, Brentford will dominate the game. That's without a question. Um, but it's just whether they can put those chances to bed. Indeed. Uh so where do you want to go next, Al? Um, another T... Well, I, I think we should kind of uh, talk about Bournemouth quickly and then descend into our relegation chat. Now, okay. I think this is very interesting with Bournemouth because at the start of the season, our big praise for Tyndall was that, you know, he was keeping things simple and logical and playing the best team and, you know, often time letting the individual quality of the Bournemouth players, you know, do their thing, you know, prove dividends for them. Obviously, that tailed off for a while. 
um, without that, you know, uh, a sheet tactical foundation there, or perhaps even, you know, a motivational foundation. And obviously, Jonathan Woodgate has a very sketchy CV of after, you know, failing at Middlesbrough, put bluntly. Um, but he's, you know, he's as it's that kind of Tyndall honeymoon period all over again, where, you know, Woodgate is, you know, simply selecting Bournemouth's best players, giving him rejuvenated confidence. And that's, you know, bringing results onto the pitch, where in games now, the Blackburn game was the best evidence of that. Their quality is winning games. That simple. Um, you know, uh, they're, they're, both of their goals at Ewood Park come from, you know, individual brilliance from Arnold Danjuma in one form or, or another. Um, Dominic Solanke is obviously back in form now, got his goal against Middlesbrough on Easter Friday to give him some confidence. Um, and on current, as I say, there's only six games. I, I think actually Bournemouth might have a game in hand, so they might have seven games left. Um, but, yeah, yeah, they, they do, yeah. They have three games in hand on, but in fact, no, no, sorry, no, no. Yeah, they have seven games left. Sorry, they ignore that. Yeah, they have a game in hand on. But I, I, I think you know, in those seven games, that's not going to be long enough for them to be found out. And um, I, if I were a Bournemouth fan, I'd start to feel confident about a playoff spot, um, yeah. especially given the trajectory mm-hmm. of Swansea uh, at the minute. So, at whose expense will they get? Yeah. Reading, it's it's or difficult. Or even Brentford. Yeah, it's 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 difficult to weigh up between Swansea and Reading. Um, to be honest, it, it well um, the thing that will give Sonzi and Reading solace is that it would take a lot for a Cardiff and Middlesbrough to sneak in there. Um, come the end of the season, looks very unlikely. Um, and so only one of them will head out. And yeah, as I say, Swansea or Reading, to be honest, I'd lean towards Swansea. Um, obviously, Swansea have a game in hand on Reading, I do believe, but yeah, their current form is pretty dire. Um, and it's, to be honest, showing no signs of halting or, you know, there seemingly no ways to arrest that form. Um, because Reading, you know, still consistently create chances in the games that they are dropping points in. But sometimes with Swansea, it's just been totally abject as that uh, performance uh, away at Birmingham on East, um, uh, East Friday night showed. Um, I remember at the end of the game, Aki, uh, Aki messaged me on a, one of our private DMs and said, uh, I'm glad nobody watched, nobody paid to watch that game. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, I think it was just, uh, uh, this is Birmingham v Swansea, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, look, well, look uh, it was just so dry. Yeah, and dry is the right one. Birmingham getting a last minute win, but, you know, looking at the stats, uh, even now, it was just a kind of game where, like, it, 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 it's 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 just it's just poor. It's one of those dead rubbers you often get yeah. in the championship, and uh, yeah, I, I am indeed glad that uh, no one paid to watch that game. Wait, let me just find the stats for this game. Uh, yeah, uh, so well, in fact, no, Birmingham had ten shots uh, to Brentford seven, but uh, to Swansea seven, but fifty-six uh, percent pass accuracy for. Uh, Birmingham and sixty-five percent for Swansea, so a lot of back and forth, as you can yeah. see. Uh, you know, not not much a coherent play, not much to a uh, good football no, to. Uh, from my side. Um, on uh, and so if we move to talk of now, we mentioned Birmingham. Look at the relegation end of the table. Um, just quickly to sum up, Birmingham they look like they're grinding out points, grinding out wins, grinding out draws. Pretty. Cool. At the minute under Bowyer. Yeah. Um, and I believe a Birmingham on 42, 43 points. 42. 42. Uh, 
level on points with Coventry yeah. one below. So as I say, that, that that should be pretty comfortable for them now, to be honest, given their current trajectory. Well, even with Wotherham's yeah, games in hand. I, I think teams just have to get to that fifty point mark. And now <laughs> it brings us on to talk about Wickham, where I have no doubt that Wickham will pick up nine points until the end of the season, points in half of their games at least, max points in half of their games. But even then, will that be enough? Um, and the answer is probably no. Um, an absolutely sublime per- performance on both games for Wickham over at Easter weekend. Wickham's first ever championship win uh, against Rotherham on Monday night where they were comfortable uh, in the, it, to get the win, um, which is, you know, a really really a good badge of honour for them. Yes, two of the goals come from just ridiculously bad individual errors from Rotherham players. Well, not ridiculously bad, but two, both times uh, one of Rotherham's three centre-halves getting too tight with um, uh, whichever target man was playing at the time for Wickham and, you know, leaving that space in behind for either Musque or Wheeler for the two goals uh, to exploit and slot home, um, which, you know, feeds right into Wickham's strengths. And yes, defected goal for Wickham second, but at the same time, no creativity from Rotherham uh, to be creating the chances. Don't get me wrong, I still have faith in them to pick up points up until the end of the season um, because we've seen them recover from slumps under Paul Warren before. Um, but that will be uh, nonetheless alarming to them. But they've got a good fixture to put it right in uh, this weekend, the way at Huddersfield, and one I still expect them to win. Um, and as for Wickham, they've got a fairly... The difficulty is... I, I was looking at their fixtures uh, remaining uh, the other day. Home games against Bristol City and Luton should be wins, and the home game against Luton this weekend. Um, but then they are away to Swansea, they are away to Middlesbrough on the final day, and they're, uh, they've got to play Bournemouth at home as well, I believe. Um, so there are some very tough fixtures for them remaining, uh, and against sides who still aren't on the beach, as it were, um, which is obviously the ideal kind of opponents for them left this season, as the Blackburn game showed. Um, and it's such a pity um, that they're finally getting the uh, result that their good performance merit that their good performances have merited too late in the season. It looks like. I mean, there's still a possibility that they'll stay up. Uh, don't get me wrong. Rotherham could just collapse uh, as to and you know Sheffield Wednesday's five 0 one over Cardiff could just be a flash in the pan. I don't think it is. Um, and you know they could catch up with Huddersfield or Coventry in no time. Um, but you know, there's there's a lot of um, a lot of things would have to you know converge and come together uh, for that to you know come true. Um, and especially, as I say, if if we move on to other sides in the relegation battle, we've touched on Wolverham briefly. But to talk about Coventry, yes, an abject Bristol City performance, who are you know just an abject team at the minute, um, and they're lucky that they're on forty nine points, um, which I mean they'll probably pick up another one or two points until the end of the season. That should even fine. But, you know, had this slump come any earlier, then Bristol City would seriously be worried. Um, but it's just so nice to see Coventry over the... Obviously, they had an abject performance away at QPR, but in terms of trends over their last five or six games, it's been so pleasing to see them fall back upon why they were so successful in League One last season, and that's taking the game to teams. Starting Callum O'Hare has been a really crucial part of that, in my opinion. Um, I hope for the game away at Bournemouth on the weekend, he doesn't revert, Mark Robbins doesn't revert back to conservatism and drop him. 
um, because Coventry are at their best when they take their game to teams um, and they Bristol City off the park yeah. weekend. Uh, they've not been doing that. But yeah, exactly. Um, and, you know, it is natural to fall back upon that when you're, you know, in a, in a division where, you know, the quality of the side is obviously better than you. Um, but at the same time, there are 46 games in a season. And, you know, when the likelihood is in enough of those games, you'll catch teams on a bad day. And when you dominate teams, you'll be able to put them to bed. Um, and I think had, you know, Coventry in January and February, you know, had that attitude more to, more in home games. I mean, they had it against Brentford, and, you know, got 1-0 in there, which was, you know, a surprise to many. Um but yeah, um, that 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 really would serve them well uh, up until the end of the season. Um, they've hit the forty point mark, the forty point mark now, I believe. So six games left, and they need to pick up probably eight or nine uh, remaining uh, to be to be safe. And this is this is the thing at this stage in the season, Aki. It it it, it really does become a numbers game now. Um, you know, we, you have to do those kind of rough estimations to see whether you would be safe. Um, and take it, you know, one weekend at a time, you know, seeing what the other results do um, around you do, see what, you know, what kind of attitude you need to have into the, you know, the remaining games, um, because it's all about short-termism now and all about getting results to keep you up. Yeah, wow. Uh, very interesting. Uh, so, right, Uh just, just finally to wrap up on the relegation, yeah. relegation talk. So your, your final three. <laughs> uh, Wickham, Huddersfield, and it's oh, it's so difficult. I want to see another Sheffield Wednesday game before I say it. I will, I will say Sheffield Wednesday. I will say Sheffield Wednesday, just because it might be a flash in the pan. Their five 0 win over Cardiff. It might be. If it isn't. Coventry and Stephen Sheffield won't be. But yeah, Huddersfield and Wickham, I'm pretty confident. Wow. So Huddersfield, yeah, Huddersfield and Wickham. Well, Huddersfield, I mean, wow. Yeah, but well, yeah, they it, are it's the stage. Yes, okay, they look comfortable at the minute, Aki, but if the trend of the previous match days continues and Coventry, Rotherham, Wickham and Sheffield Wednesday all, you know, continue in positive form, picking up points, they'll catch up to Huddersfield. Because Huddersfield don't look like they're picking up another point until the end of the season. You know, um, that obviously that might change. They might, you know, fluke a result here or there. But, you know, you, you have to consider, um, you know, the, the, the realities of the situation. I can't emphasise how big, I mean, we'll, when we'll do our preview at the end, we'll touch upon it. But the, the Huddersfield-Rotherham game on Saturday is massive. It is absolutely huge. I think I don't even think it's an overestimation to say that it will decide. If, if either team loses that game, they probably look like they're going down. Uh, so, yeah. That's interesting. So, uh, is that championship wrapped up or is there I know, something else you want to talk about? What, what, what would you say, Aki, for your bottom three? Uh, yeah, I, I'd say Huddis, I'd say the same as you based on current form. Uh, I don't know. It's kind of a toss-up between Rotherham and Huddersfield for me. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Uh, okay. Uh, moving on to League One, then. Uh, where do you want to begin with this league? Uh, plenty of action. Uh, 
I think uh, I, I can't resist. We have to talk about um, just just before we, we get into, you know, the proper serious topics of conversation. <laughs> we have to talk about Sunderland Oxford uh, on Easter Friday. One of the most bizarre games uh, I've ever witnessed as an Oxford fan or eventful, I should say, if not bizarre. Um, so obviously we Oxford dominate the open in 30 minutes, going one and up, cruising. Uh, concede a sloppy goal just before half time, frustrated, but that's the way it goes. Something we're just we're just beginning to creep back into the game. Um, Mark Sykes's uh, second challenge, which got him sent off uh, for red card, yes, roaring of the yellow, but his first yellow in the first half was incredibly soft. Um, so very frustrating in that sense. We did well to shut the game out, um, and we're looking like we would escape with a point until um, uh, you know uh, Cameron Brannigan was fouled, uh, bringing the ball away. Uh, from the box, uh, ref, uh, Trev, Trevor Kettle, who has had history with Carl Robinson, uh, as many of you know, uh, Carl Robinson, I think in 2018, uh, stating that uh, I quote, hate the C word. Um, and uh, he gave a free kick to Sunderland for Cameron Brannigan being fouled. And then Sunderland scored off that resulting free kick where everyone's arms up in the air. Robinson had a tirade, got sent off, uh, had a laugh about it. Uh, called Trevor Kettle a C-word again before marching off, um, which was pretty audible. Um, and then, uh, obviously, Sunderland finished the game off in uh, injury time with Max Power uh, celebrating uh, in front of our substitute bench, uh, which is not ideal. And then after the game, uh, it came to light that apparently uh, Jack Stevens, our goalkeeper, had been butted in the tunnel at half time and that Robinson was going to take police action. Uh, although... It didn't uh, materialise in the end, so uh, I'm not quite sure where the truth lies in that. Um, but yeah, just an absolutely bananas game. Um, another win for Sunderland before their draw against Peterborough and really key fixture on Easter Monday, uh, where you know a bit of individual brilliance from McGeady got them the point. Um, and that point for them has obviously kept them on the coattails of Peterborough and Hull. Um, they have two games in hand on Hull and are only three points behind them now. Um, so, given that if they continue this current form, uh, uh, yeah, it, it's likely that they will catch up with them by the end of the season. Um, Hull dudes and Hull, they obviously play each other, Hull and Sunderland, um, on a Tuesday night, uh, I think in late April, if if, if I'm correct. Anyway, it's, it's, I think it's still a way off. But anyway, that game is going to be absolutely crucial um, uh, for them. Yeah, uh, indeed. Uh, uh, Colin. On the bench whenever Richard Kettle is the rallying. Uh, and, uh, well, you know, you thought Oxford were a bit robbed, right? It's difficult to say Rob because Sutherland probably have the better of the second half. Um, it's just when, you know, the game is so marginal and co- can go either way, that makes, you know, refereeing errors more frustrating. That's just natural. Yeah. Um, but, but, but yeah, no, it's, it's frustrating. Um, uh, top six aspirations have gone for us now. Um, well, surely have gone for us now, which, as I've already said, the season is fine by me. But it's it's kind of been a perfect season for me who's, you know, Perhaps too far in on the. It doesn't really matter without the fans. Uh, well, at least when it comes to my club, 
um, where it's been a season with positives, where, you know, we know we can still go on good runs and play really good football when we click. We beat Swindon once, which is acceptable. Uh, would like to it have been too. But at the same time, we've had enough poor defeats um, to show the board that, you know, um, if, if we do want to get promoted, we need investment, seriously. I also think it's a window into what might have happened last season if COVID hadn't occurred. Because we were on a similar run of wins. So we were, you know, before COVID ground the season to a halt, we were on a run of five wins, which got ourselves into the playoffs. And I believe there are about 11 or 10 games left of the season. So I would be, and obviously we remember how close that playoff race was last season, you know, because Peter got shafted on PPG in the end. Um, as our owner, you know, uh, never lets anyone forget. Um, and so, yeah, I think it, it, it maybe that we'd have seen a similar trend that, you know, that we'd, you know, had dropped out of the playoffs uh, at the end of uh, last season. Uh, but yeah, it's it's it's, it's an interesting uh, counterfactual nonetheless. Yeah. Of course, moving on to that game. Uh, Peterborough and Sunderland, of course, two of the heavyweights playing out the... Uh, well, I don't want to say boring one because it's a... McGeady, but uh, you know, kind of a live, uh, we live quite another day one one draw. Like they'll both take that point. Yeah, they they definitely will. Peterborough will be frustrated with the amount of chances that they missed in the first half. Um, nearly two um, bizarre own goals in this game. Um, Peterborough centre half, I can't remember who, but then Luke Nine for Sunderland, uh, both um, with like you know guiding the ball out for a corner. Uh, in intercepting a cross and then both times nearly sticking it in their own bottom corner. <laughs> it was pretty bizarre. Um, uh, got away with lightning twice. Um, but yeah, no, as, 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 you, as you say, Aki, it will be a point that both teams will accept and move on from. I'm sure, especially Peterborough, who, you know, there's, uh, I believe they've got eight or nine games left and they just need to, you know, be on top form, be at their best for six or seven of them and they'll win the league. Is you know is as simple as it is, um, yeah. Uh, especially and especially when you know downturns in form for Hull or Sunderland are more likely before the end of the season. Um, yeah, automatics look pretty set. So yeah, uh, Portsmouth, uh, a good one 0 win for them away at Wigan. But, yeah, um, very impressive. Um, two wins over Easter weekend for them, albeit marginal ones against sides who you know sides who will likely go down at the end of the season. Um, but yeah, it's at the stage of the season where all that matters is points. I still think it would be too much to ask of them to join that automatic race with Hull, Peterborough, and Sunderland. Um, they are just slight. They are. I think they are just too far away from them at the minute regarding points. I think they're still eight or nine points away which is probably too much of a gap to make up at this stage in the season. Uh, but at the same time, they look pretty much nailed on for a playoff spot now in, in the current form. And, you know, obviously we've we've never seen the Cowleys in the playoffs, at least in the Football League. I, I, I'm unsure if uh, his time at Braintree or Concord Rangers, uh, he was in the playoffs then. Uh, I'm unsure of his record then, but it will be really interesting to see how he manages playoffs uh, in the EFL. Um, and, you know, they're going to be a side going into it in electric form. Um, and when you you know you've got individual brilliance in your squad like that, like um, Cannon's goal was uh, against uh, Wigan, an absolute you know rocket of a strike into the top right hand corner. Uh, Cannon, you might say, <laughs> um, uh, you're always going to have that options in tricky situations. 
uh, he's come out with his um, uh, tiredness quote today, uh, which I'm sure will become uh, you know part of the EFL's dogma, managerial dogma. Uh, in the future, um, for people who haven't seen it, it goes along the lines of, you know, tiredness is a state of mind. If a lion jumped out of you from the bush, you wouldn't feel too tired then. Um, so, I mean, can can Cowley keep up the motivation of the Portsmouth affairs to feel like a lion's running out of the bush? I guess that's the question, uh, if you want to extend the metaphor. Uh, but, uh, uh, yeah, no, it's, it, it's looking very positive for them. Um, they're back to Pompey at their best in League One where you know their base defensive level is so strong and can you know uh drown out any team they come up against that you know that gives them a platform to be that even when they're not at their best going forward like they were against Portsmouth from uh, like against uh Rochdale and Wigan excuse me um they're still going to you know have that you know margin in their favor in all the win games yeah uh it's very interesting uh I, I want to have a quick word on Ipswich yeah uh, because, you know, uh, Paul Cook came in, and I think it's been pretty indifferent. It hasn't been smooth sailing always. Yeah. Well, it's it, it, it's difficult because um, Paul Cook is a, is a more long-term... You see the, the fruits from Paul Cook's management more long-term than Cowley's, right? Um, and he is that type of manager. And I mean, clearly over the summer, he'll want to be able to sift through um, uh, what he sees as, you know, the dead weight uh, in the squad and, you know, really hone his vision. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see what he does until then. As we've mentioned in previous kickabouts, it's very... Because Ipswich are still on the coattails of the playoffs and all they need is, you know, to grind out wins in their next, you know, three or four games, right? And they're right in it, especially given the current trajectory of Lincoln. It's looking like that sixth playoff spot uh, is going to be assuming Blackpool continue their current form, which you know they've done over the course of the season at a really steady rate, and you know have been one of the most consistent sides in the league, game by game. Um, you know, um, it's going to be you know a really tight race for that sixth playoff spot, and that can be Ipswich with a few wins behind them. Obviously, Charlton are also in that mix. You know, they're starting to turn a corner under Atkins, a really impressive one 0 win um, at, at Doncaster uh, to kick off um, the Easter weekend on Easter Friday. A very impressive win indeed. Uh, me and Martin, you know, uh, with, a, with a very well-taken finish and, you know, they should have been about three or four up before half-time. Um, NK Dons, you know, you'd say when they're at their best would also be in that conversation. Maybe Accrington can, re, can you know, be resurgent and Doncaster too. But to be honest, you are looking at, you know, a, a race between Lincoln and Charlton uh, for that uh, sixth playoff spot at current. And it's just, you know, whether Ipswich can get one or two wins under their belt to maybe kickstart some momentum for them to build up some confidence and, you know, to get into those playoffs. Because, they're, as I say, they're still on the coattails of it. Um, and if that doesn't happen, that's fine. Because at least in these final eight games of the season that are left, Cook should have a clearer vision of what he wants in the squad and from the squad next season. And, you know, obviously their takeover went through yesterday. Uh, takeover day in the EFL, it seemed, uh, with uh, uh, Derby takeover news also being confirmed, um, or developed at least. Um, you know, they, they should get the investment to really kick on next season. Yeah, uh, it's very interesting. 
Ipswich, yeah, with that takeover in the long term, they should be all right. Would you back them if if, if this season they don't go up? Would they be your uh, uh, favourites yeah. to go up next season from League One? Yeah, I think they'd have to be. Um, we we'd have to take a look at the sides relegated from the Championship. Um, but no, absolutely, Ipswich along with Charlton and MK Dons would you know definitely be the names on paper I'd be looking for. Mm. Uh, to be honest, at uh, current. It's very interesting. Uh, also, quick word on Oxford's defeat to Accrington Stanley. Yeah, frustrating defeat. Um, Accrington was deserved wins in that game. Um, it, it, it's always difficult because, you know, what I have to try and do is obviously with regards to Oxford stuff, I'm in a very local echo chamber for it. Um, when I discuss it with, you know, mates and, you know, I'm on Oxford Twitter, if you know, you can even call it that. So as I say, it's obviously very Oxford focused. But, and, you know, obviously there's a lot of negativity surrounding recent results. Well, negativity, I wouldn't say a lot of negativity. Um, but at the same time, sometimes you just have to acknowledge that you come up against a really good side. And it was, you know, an Accrington performance when, you know, they are at their best, you know, doing all the things that, you know, the Accrington side up until December were so good at, you know, just um, uh, pressing relentlessly. Um, the switch to the midfield diamonds means they can, you know, press even more and swamp the midfield even more. And, you know, every time one of our midfielders, you know, turned out to try and switch a player, yes, obviously that's difficult for us at the minute without Marcus McGuan. But, you know, every time, you know, we'd either turn out to switch to play or try and play the ball through the lines, bang, Accrington player in your face for it, you know. Um, and, when, you know, you can be direct and, you know, play into uh, Dion Charles, who's, you know, back in his best form, which is really nice to see. Um, maybe, you know, got a confidence boost from that Northern Ireland call-up. Um, yeah, uh, it was definitely a resurgent Accrington performance and they deserve to get the win. Um, well, yeah, it's a tough place to go, especially with the results that they've had uh, recently. Yeah, um, <laughs> I, I think what, what I'd like to see Robinson do, at least from a practical perspective, is give the playoff push another one to two games. We're away to crew this weekend, which is a bit of a bogey place for us, but nevertheless, it should be. A, a, it's definitely a game we could and maybe should get three points in. But if, um, you know, we don't get the points in the next two games, and, you know, maybe even a top half finish is starting to look unlikely, um, I'd really like to see in the final few games a crystal clear vision of his starting 11 for next season, whether I'm playing Adjumar, um or, you know, dropping players who are, you know, potentially on the way out in the summer, such as Hanson and Sam Winnell. Um, uh, yeah, as I say, just to see a vision uh, for next season would be good. Yeah. Uh, just a quick word, of course, on... Uh, uh, wait, 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 who was I going to mention? Uh, you know, Northampton going down 3-0 to Hull, which is kind of expected, but, you know, I guess... Yeah, and, uh, it, it followed a very, a very impressive one win for them on Easter Friday at home to Shrewsbury. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, um, very impressive. Yeah. It it was close, uh, uh, of course. Uh, they it was a bit frantic at the end, but nevertheless, uh, these are the kind of wins that they need, especially if they struggle to score goals. Uh, looking at the bottom of the table, uh, AFC Wimbledon still have two games in hand over Northampton, and they're three points behind. So this could go either way. But yeah, it's deeply interesting uh, with Northampton actually having a. But there was a better form. For no yeah. one at the bottom of the table is in good form at the minute. I'd be, and that's the thing, Aki. I'd be starting to get quite optimistic if I were a Northampton fan because yeah. Swimble, uh, uh, Wimbledon and Swindon aren't kicking on. They're still abject. Um, and if that's the case, 
you know, Wigan and Rochdale also are, are showing well, new signs of a consistent. Let's put this way: tomorrow, Wimbledon are away to Accrington, and yeah. tomorrow, uh, Northampton are at home to Bristol. So, uh, yeah, no, Northampton Bristol Rovers is a massive game. But if not, it, even if you draw that game against Bristol Rovers, right, that is crucial because if we assume that Swindon and Wimbledon don't have an uptake in form by the end of the season, which is what it looks like, and in addition to that. It doesn't look like there'll be a consistent uptake in form for Wigan or Rochdale. Yes, we know they can pick up a win here or there, but we've never seen the consistency in that this season. Then that's your four relegation spots taken. And if Northampton can even, you know, continue their current, you know, decent seven out of ten form, which you're on at the minute, I think that would be a fair assessment. That should be enough. Again, it, it, it's reliant on, you know, you know, Swindon, Wimbledon, Wigan and, and Rochelle not having that turn in form. But that's a likelihood uh, at this stage. Um, so, and to be honest, you know, Bristol Rovers, um, you know, before before Monday didn't look like they'd experience an upturn in form either. Um, and, and and so, yeah, you, you'll definitely, I, I, you know, I, as I say, I'd be, I'd be optimistic if I was a fan. Yeah, that's, yeah, it's a good cut. Of course, they're at home to Bristol. And uh, then they're. Uh, where, where is the next game? Uh, sorry. Uh, then they're away at Peterborough on the seventeenth. That will be a fun proposition. Mm. Uh, but a quick word, of course, on Crew's win at MK Dons, which is yeah. a very good result for them. No, very impressive win for Crew. Um, opening goal, you know, came from just one of the times where you know MK Dons is playing out from the back goes wrong. You know that happens, um, but then you know a very well taken uh, finish from uh, Mikhail Mandron for the second, uh, get him on the plane for the Euros. Didier Deschamps, <laughs> um, but uh, no, um, and they were very, very impressive. It you know just. Um, you know, just, as I say, just drowning out the game, you know, making it a horrific encounter for the final, for the, well, for the second half in its entirety. Excuse me, which is a very difficult proposition against MK Dons because they're relentless at creating chances, um, or at least, I should say, relentless at getting into a final, the opposition's final third. Um, and, you know, that is one of Crew's strengths, um, you know, defending on Leeds. And, you know, a mid-table finish for Crew will be a massive success for them this season. You know, it gives them that foundation to build on for next season. It will hopefully convince, you know, the young axis of their squad to stay on. Um, obviously, you know, it may be the case that Crew need to cash in on a few of those players. Um, you know, most notably uh, Lancashire. Obviously, they've already cashed in on Harry Pickering, um, but also uh, with with Lancashire and Lowry as well. Um, uh, but, but, yeah, that... That's in the future, and at the minute, you know, crew can just enjoy uh, what's been a very successful season for them overall. Yeah, it's a very good point about crew, of course. Uh, you know, you think they're a mediocre team, but they have had their flashes of uh, uh, they have made it difficult for teams in more, yeah. Well, the when they came to the Kassam, uh, oh, I think mum's been calling it the, the Kassam Kashida vaccination there the other week, um, Grenoble Road. Silly, silly me. Um, when they came to Grenoble Road in October, they played us off the park and, you know, deservedly won 2-0. Um, wow. So, uh, so yeah, they've definitely had flashes of being a really impressive side so far this season. Yeah, indeed. Uh, so, uh, moving on to... Uh, uh, sorry, just to, uh, another word on the playoffs. Uh, finally, uh, it's 
Charlton v Sun. We'll do that in our preview. In fact, it was meant to be Charlton v Lincoln this week, but unfortunately, we, we missed out on one of the biggest games. Yeah. Uh, I believe the By the way, just just uh, as a final word on the League One playoff race, something I didn't mention when we were discussing Lincoln, Charlton, Ipswich in that race. Obviously, Lincoln's COVID outbreak means that they're going to have to reschedule these games. And their fixture list come the end of the season is going to be bananas. And they don't have the deepest of squads. Um, so it'll be, you know, that may, you know, be a strong hindrance to them. But that's, you know, in the future of the minute. Yeah. Yeah, yeah you're right. Uh, of course, uh, moving on to League Two, a uh, big result for uh, Bolton Wanderers against uh, Forest Green. Yeah. Um, uh, absolutely. Um, Bolton's uh, impressive uh, run uh, uh, continues. Uh, that was last weekend. And. Um, uh, the nil-nil draw against um, Colchester on Easter Friday was frustrating, and obviously, you know, one-nil defeat away at Newport brings you know an end to their you know impressive run of results. Um, but somewhat ironically, you know, the last two games have been two of Bolton's best performances of the season. Really, um, they're really starting to kick on as a side, um, and yeah, as I say, um, I were unlucky to lose. Uh, to Newport at the weekend. I think Dalton missed really a good chance at a key moment in the game. Uh, a big win for Newport, however, you know, it brings them back into the playoffs. Um, I'm sure once they're in the playoffs, they'll definitely fancy themselves with the experience they have, um, both in the playoffs under Michael Flynn, but also in cup competition, which, you know, you can draw a kind of um, a, a semi uh, analogy with, uh, with the playoffs. Um as for Bolton, you know, they're, they're still on the coattails of, of Tranmere uh, in, in third. Um, Cheltenham really look like they're going to win the league at this stage. Um, it'll be frustrating that they only drew one all at Grimsby, but Grimsby are, are aside. We've had a massive upturn in performance level under Paul Hurst, um, who's done a really impressive job there. And they, unfortunately, you know, they just haven't got their reward so far. And, you know, it may come to cost them at the end of the season um, because the games are running out for them to turn their draws into wins. Um, uh, but 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 no, yeah. As I say, it's it's not been the ideal weekend for Bolton results wise. Um, but I definitely take solace in their two performances, um, because it's a continuation of their impressive form in February, if not you know an improvement on it. And you know if they continue that trajectory, if they end up in the playoffs with that continued trajectory, it should serve them well. Yeah, indeed. Uh. Mm. Yeah, so uh, a quick word on uh, Southend's appointment of Phil. Yeah, yeah, we'll finish our League Two review chat with that because it's um it's a very interesting issue. Um, Mark Molsey has obviously had an extremely difficult job this season, and is obviously a, he he is an impressive manager. There's no doubt in that. But at the same time, they are despite some positive results in recent weeks away at Harrogate, for example, and away at um uh, Morecambe. Uh, on Tuesday night, um, they still, you know, 35 points at this stage in the season still isn't really good enough, despite all off-field issues. They should have conjured up perhaps something a bit more with the squad at your disposal by now. Um, I'm not quite sure what the logic is in appointing Phil Brown. It's obviously, you know, I, I don't know any players from the Phil Brown era at South End in the mid-2010s that are still there for example. Um, yeah. So, you know, that logic that he's got a good rapport with the players and will be able to give them that kick up the arse that they need to, you know, get that short-term run of wins mm-hmm. to keep them up. 
yeah um is perhaps a bit you know there's 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 not much logic in that he's obviously an incredibly experienced manager at league two level um so you wouldn't rule that out um but this, maybe they've gotten high on even the national league next season you know thinking he might be a good appointment for that um but yeah there are definitely a lot of question marks around it at the minute um, it, it may be enough to get them the run of wins that they need, especially with Colchester in such, a, such abject form. That's, you know, one team that they can replace in the drop zone. Um, but, 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 but yeah, it'll be, it'll be interesting to see if he manages them tomorrow, uh, to be honest. Yeah, I think that might come too soon. Yeah. But yeah, a strange appointment. Uh, finally, our weekend preview. Uh, in the championship, uh, the games that I have called Watford, we're running tonight. Yeah, no. Which, uh, I think yeah. We'll, yeah. we'll have an eye on. Massive game. Uh, also, Barnsley v Middlesbrough, which is huge. And uh, Huddersfield and Rotherham. And those are the games that I can think of, which have big impact. Yeah, I, I, I think Huddersfield versus Rotherham is a game of the weekend because of its it's absolutely crucial significance for either side. Um, a draw probably, you know, won't be what either side really want. Uh, to be honest, I, I'm sure Rotherham will have the, the lion's share of the chances in the game. It's just a question of whether they can take them. Wickham versus Luton is, is another interesting game. Um, obviously, you know, I, I'd, I'd tip Wickham to win it on current form and the fact that, you know, Luton, at least, you know, nominally and at face value, reside on the beach. But Luton aren't really a team that do that, you know. Um, they're always intense in games and, you know, they always, you know, like to create chances and bring the game to teams, no matter who they play against. Um, and so it may, it may not be the easiest ride uh, for Wickham, um, but it's, it's definitely going to yeah. keep going. Yeah. Uh, in League One, uh, Sunderland v Charlton, which is a massive yeah, uh, Lincoln City versus Blackpool. <laughs> Uh, Northampton v Bristol. What Christ? What are they? And also, uh, Aki uh, Ipswich against MK Dons. Um, yes, yeah, because two right. sides, you know, if they get yeah, a win in that, that could actually really, you know, light up their playoff, distant playoff aspirations, but playoff aspirations nonetheless. Um, Sunderland Charlton is obviously the crucial game at the top of the league. To be honest, if any team's going to bring an end to this uh, unbeaten run for Sunderland, I'd fancy Charlton to be that team. Um, you know, given how you know, the work that Atkins has done with them so far defensively um, and their ability to, you know, edge out teams and games. Um, obviously, we haven't seen much evidence of that so far, but from what we have seen, uh, that it, it's been very impressive. Um, Lincoln against Blackpool is obviously a really key game for that playoff race. Um, it's dependent on, you know, team sheets, really. Obviously, Blackpool do have a few injuries at the minute. Um, but, you know, if they, if they, you know, keep on getting the ball to Yates and Kaika, it's, you know, not a bad recipe for them over recent weeks. Um, so they may be able to do the same again against Lincoln uh, this this weekend. Um, another game on uh, then if we move on to League Two, excuse me, I think uh, the game of the weekend is uh, Cambridge against Exeter. It's another, you know, tough uh, game on paper uh, for Cambridge uh you know, to, to really prove their promotion credentials. They've probably got enough in the tank now to see them promoted. Um, but, you know, Exeter are also a side who, when they're at their best, they're one of the best sides in the league. So it depends what Exeter turns up for that game. Yeah, it'll be very interesting. Uh, mm. uh, so, uh, yeah, that's, uh, that's that for this week. Of course, a great week of football coming up. Uh, bye from me and thank you for listening and bye from Alf too. And, uh, yeah, uh, we'll see you next week. Uh, enjoy the Bye games. Guys.
And so, uh, next week we have uh, the a lot of the uh, games in hand and whatnot being mopped up. Absolutely, so we yeah. have a lot to discuss. Yeah. Uh, so, thanks a lot, everyone. Bye.